What's going on, guys? It's the Motorcycle Dad with Tito. Hope everybody had a good weekend. I know I had one. I was pretty busy this weekend. Uh, and then I'll get into that in this episode. But um, as promised, I'm going to be a man of my word. And we're going to talk about the Tiger 900. We're going to talk about uh, price point. I got some gripes. Uh, I'll get into that in a minute. And then in the second segment, we're going to talk about uh, Rider Share and Twisted Road. Okay, I'll talk about my experiences with, well, now both of them. And then also I'm going to make sure I guilt you into wearing a full face helmet. And I'm going to talk about backcountry expedition. And I'm also going to guilt you guys because I could be going to get my ears lowered. And for some of you millennials that don't know what that means, I'm I'm supposed to be going to get my hair cut, you know, get a fade. But I decided to go ahead and record this podcast instead. That's how much you guys mean to me. Especially, I'm looking, I'm seeing listeners in like Denmark, Finland, uh, Canada, whole Canada. Uh, I like, I love you guys listening. I appreciate it. If you guys, please feel free to give some feedback. Um, definitely, I'm going to guilt you into that too. It, it's at least worth it for me missing my haircut for this, okay? I at least think so. I hope you guys think so too. But in Moto News, we're going to start off with the Triumph Tiger 900. Okay. Um, Triumph has decided they're going to drop a 900. I think they're going to skip the 800. I'm not 100% sure because they don't really give too much good information. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. I'm a simpleton looking on interwebs for stuff. So, um, but they have rebuilt the motor again. This is like they only had the new motor in there for like two years, three years, I think. But they're already redoing it again. Uh, they're coming out with three different versions. This is going to be a regular 900. Uh, a 900 GT, a 900 GT Pro, a 900 Rally, and a 900 Rally Pro, okay? Um, we're going to talk about a couple of the things. Let's see. So let's just start off with the 900, okay? So the basic 900 is the only model so far that they have given a price point for. And the starting MSRP is $12,999.99. cents. Um, the nine, the regular 900 version is going to be focused on more just a road, I guess, like transportation consumable. They're looking for the urban adventure, um, because it comes with mag wheels and it doesn't have like any of the features that are in the other versions, like TFT, like some of the suspension and all that shit. Uh, it has none of that and you're still paying 13,000 for it. And, uh, I don't understand why you would buy this over uh, over 700 Tanneray because for, yeah, just leave it at that. Now, the 900 GT, they don't have a price out yet, okay? Uh, it is supposed to be for the urban adventurer and long distance travel and everything else. Uh, like I said, it's, they haven't given it a price point yet. Same thing, it comes with mag wheels. It's, this one seems like it's meant to be more street worthy than anything else. Uh, it kind of reminds me how like BMW tries to sell the S1000XR as a multi-sport bike, kind of like the Multistrada. Like, oh yeah, like you could take this off-road and on-road. And like the only people I ever see take those things off-road are like blogger vloggers or you know, you know, that's their career, that's their life is test riding these bikes and like taking them off-road and proving us all wrong. Same guys are probably out there in the woods with a jigsaw with knobbies on it. I don't know if you guys have seen that or not. Get on Google or YouTube and look that shit up. It's pretty funny. 
Um, but the biggest shebang bang with the 900 is the new motor, 10% more torque, 9% more mid-range power. And uh, I don't know. I'm not a fan so far. From the looks of it, it looks pretty. I'm telling you right now, the only one that appeals to me is the 900 Rally or Rally Pro. They didn't really specify too well in the picture that they provided. But it looked like it was the 900 Rally Pro. Um, it has, I mean, it has the six riders modes on it. It has, I mean, it has some features, but that are only available on the models that are probably going to be a thousand to two thousand dollars more. Uh, so that's that's cool. I mean, not really. I think Beamer's going to have the upper hand advantage on them. Um, to me, the Tiger 800 was a, a pretty good bike. I think it was better than the BMW Tiger 900 so far. I'm not impressed, but we will see. Uh, I think so far the BMW A50 shitting on it. New lighter uh, modular frame, 5.3 gallon tank, up to six riding modes, like I said, that are only available on the pro versions of uh, any designated model you get. But you get rain, road, sport, off-road, and uh, off-road pro. Seven inch TFT, pretty big. But uh, I don't know, for adventure riding, I don't know if you need a big, big, uh, little mini tv oh now one cool thing for the pro version it's going to be quick shift uh the quick shifter is going to be up and down so thanks for that triumph guys couldn't have done that for the aftermarket one you sold or the their version their licensed triumph one that i have on my street triple it only goes up i don't know if you guys have ever uh used a quick shifter but they're pretty dang sweet let me tell you what i used to think it was crap you know how like i was like, man i can just do this myself you know just blip through the gears real quick but it is pretty nice where you just stay on the throttle and just bah, 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 bah. You guys like the motorcycle noise? That's pretty cool, huh? Um, now, the one thing that Triumph has going for them that I really consider is the heritage in the adventure motorcycle. They were kind of the pioneers. Now, technically, they are 80 plus years, the world's longest running adventure bike, the Tigger, El Tigger A. Oh, and let me see, was it the Tiger? Yeah, it was the Tiger. It says 80 plus years. Oh, and one more thing. They're going to be including a USB charging port and mobile phone storage. Yeah, that's pretty cool, too. Uh, GT Low. They're going to make a 900 GT Low. And that's the only version that's going to come in a low model. So, um, like I said, I was just looking at, uh, matter of fact, Power Sports Business and one of the other ones I look at. Here, let's see. And... Like they had this thing on here, like, oh, Triumph unveils this new 20, you know, this new 2020 Tiger. And it was just like, it wasn't exciting. It was bland. I was like, uh, that's it. It just gave like the same specs to everything. Yeah, the 2020 Tiger 900 lineup doesn't get any price point. And it just like dropped. This article just dropped today. That's what I really don't get. I'm like, really? That's nothing more than what we knew, you know, before. You know, 10% more power. All LEDs all the way around distinctive light pattern and new secure mobile phone storage with the USB charging item. And oh yeah, and optimize, you know, my Triumph connectivity system and optimize cornering ABS and optimize cornering traction control and new Triumph shift assists. A release date and pricing have not yet been disclosed. Uh, I think Triumph's going to continue to struggle. They're going to I don't know what to say. I like Triumph. I really do. It's like a, somebody that you want to like, and it's just like, man, y'all keep fucking up, you know, on certain things. I think one of the problems is they're trying to grow 
uh, a little bit faster than I think they're ready for. I and I'm just like I said, I'm telling you this as being I was a director of service and parts at a Triumph dealership. Now, one of my biggest beasts of Triumph, and they're supposed to be unveiling all these accessories that I can promise you are probably gonna be sold out and not available because one of their main logistical problems is they don't manage their own inventory. So like when I order from BMW, the parts are coming from BMW's warehouse. BMW has a great parts network because they have a great automotive parts network already. Uh, Triumph, when I order parts, are coming from a warehouse. Now, I at first was understanding that it was in Georgia. And I was like, okay, well, that explains a lot of stuff. Because when I send it in through the dealer portal, it gets sent to their headquarters, where they're headquartered at in Georgia, in the North American market. That's their headquarters. Um, and then my frustration would be like, we go to check on a status of an order, like if it shipped or something, and you log in, and then the next thing you know, that same part you were looking at was showing available with their little green box. It's now showing that it is on back order with they don't know when the availability is going to be. Okay. Now, one of the things I found out was UPS actually manages their parts inventory. So what happens is I send the order to Georgia. Georgia sends the order to their UPS associate affiliate in Tennessee. And then they go to pull the parts and then ship them out. Now, I don't know, I mean, you have a third party handling your parts inventory. It's supposed to be ideally, statistically, supposed to be better, more accurate. Uh, but here it is to come to find out. It's like here, these guys go, go pull apart and then parts not on hand. And that's when it gets checked in the box. I get no notification whatsoever, whatsoever. And not only that, they make it a pain in the ass because some of their smaller like service bulletins and recalls, like we had a what they call a head tidy kit, which is a little plastic bracket for some cables underneath the gas tank. I had customers with other issues and it would not allow me to process their warranty for their other issues until the first one is done. And the way it works for warranty is I will put in the claim and once they approve it, then they ship the parts. So it's not like I could order the parts ahead of time. I could, but then I could be ended up with parts that I don't even need in my inventory. So they were super excited because I know they were adding a bunch of dealers to the network. They got, uh, you know, new logos, new this, that, and yeah, blah, 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 blah. But it was like when I turned around and looked at it, at the brick and mortar aspect of it, it was just like, I wasn't a fan. I just, you know, you got to have that good feeling. I just didn't have that good feeling from trying, you know, with some of the stuff they're doing. Uh, I know they were supposed to be adding a bunch of brick and mortar dealerships, but one of the first questions I asked my rep, and he got, I kind of caught him off guard. And looking back on how I used to be in that position, I was a dickhead sometimes. <laughs> and I was just straight up like, he was like, yeah, we're going to be adding a, a West Coast training location because as it is for training for technicians and stuff, I got to send my tech to training. I got to send them to Georgia. And, you know, if you're a West Coast dealership, it's kind of jacked up. More, it's higher cost, more expensive. Now it's going to be longer. Your guy's going to be away from the shop and making money for you. But this investment I was always willing to make. And it was funny because you know, the, the rep was like, oh, you know, we're going to be adding West Coast, uh, you know, uh, training for, you know, personnel, for sales staff, everybody, you know. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You guys think about putting a parts warehouse on the West Coast too? Because they were adding all these dealerships. A huge amount are very, very popular on the West Coast. Yet I still have to get my parts all the way from the East Coast. And for me, yeah, time is money. And when you're talking about it, uh, you know, two-day lead time, stuff like that, yeah, it's a pain in the ass, especially with their infrastructure set up the way it is. So um, that's been my gripe with Triumph. Like I said, I own one. So, you know, I, I used to hate hearing this in the military, but it's what I signed up for. So, you know, you know, I get shut the fuck up. 
Um, but I'm still going to voice my opinion, and that's what you guys want to hear. I guess that's why you guys listen to me. Or it's just I'm purely entertaining. I'm not sure which one yet. It's not because I'm good looking. That's the reason why I'm doing podcasting, not YouTube. <laughs> but either way, that is the Tiger 900. Like I said, nothing really that I'm excited about. They're not really bringing anything new to the table besides the motor. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I'm always cautious about motors the first year. That's what any manufacturer especially any manufacturer that's had a trend of having problems. Uh, I'm not saying Triumph's had a huge trend, but they've had some inner components not be so good, good on some of their shit. So, and it doesn't really give me much faith to the fact that they, here it is two, three years invested in that new Tiger 800. And then they're already switching it up. I don't know if they're, like I said, I don't know. It's from the sounds of it. It seems like they're not going to carry the 800 anymore. I don't, I don't know. I think they should invest a little bit more in that. It's a good area. But guess what? That's why I don't want to fucking work for them. So, well, guys, in the next segment, I am going to bring up, uh, start off with the router share program. Keep listening. Hey, guys. Thank you for coming back to listen to me run my mouth again. Uh, this one's gonna, like I said, I'm gonna pound through this a little bit. There's some stuff I wanted to talk about. I didn't really have a lot of meat and potatoes, uh, as far as content on this one, but I definitely already had the 900, the rider share and helmet situation on my list of things. Uh, I am a little busy just cause uh, I got some family in town that I don't get a chance to see too often. My dad and stepmom, cause they're in from the East coast they're in from Florida, uh, to come visit the grandkid and have a little bit of fun. Because that's why everybody comes to Vegas, right? Have a little bit of fun. That's what it's all about. So, um, I've been using the Rider Share, and I just started using Twisted. I have not rented a bike with Twisted Road yet. Okay, but Rider Share has been pretty cool. It's starting to catch on, and one of the things I've noticed is a lot of times it was first-time renters, which. I was a little concerned about at first, but not really anymore. I mean, because the thing is with the rider share, if you feel like they're not going to be safe on your bike or you don't trust it, you can cancel it. You have control. It's not like you have a contractual obligation to give them your bike. It's your bike. Now, depending on the circumstances, so once you cancel the reservation, um, it may require you to give a refund. But from what I've been reading through my contract, in most cases, as long as I'm in the right by saying like, hey, look, Dude, you're gonna drop my bike. I almost saw you drop my bike or something. Just from the pure aspect of your experience, I don't think you're experienced enough to ride this motorcycle. So no, um, I haven't had it yet. Where it's been some like punk kid show up and be like, "Oh, you want to ride your bike?" And be like, "Yo, dude, nah, bro." They happen. And most of the people have been uh, around my age point, um, maybe a little bit older. I've had a couple gentlemen that are older than me, and. Uh, so far so good i mean they've really taken care of the bike most of the time they run for a 24-hour period they probably go out for five six hours and then come back uh i had a couple of them that were i'm not gonna lie it did like kind of caught me off guard because i was like well hmm. it's like dude you're playing a ride to grand canyon from here south the south rim which is i want to say two and a half hours uh from here so it's like, man, you're gonna ride my bike all the way out there. And then come to find out that they never end up leaving town. They end up going to like Red Rock, Boulder City, or uh, Valley of Fire, which are some pretty popular places to ride at around here. Or go up to like Mount Charleston too. Mount Charleston's pretty cool. Not right now, because it's snowing up there and you can't, you don't want to ride a bike up there. 
uh, unless the roads are clear. If the roads are clear, then yeah, sure, why not? But I digress. I have had a really good experience with Rideshare. Uh, the only beef that I've had was like this past time they had that. For one, they don't have an app. I don't like that, but whatever, you know. The website works just fine on my iPhone. Uh, I was going to check the customer out, taking the pictures and stuff, and they added this new feature about uh, taking a picture of the customer's face. You know, of course, with a request, they make make sure to make that clear. And I was like, okay, that's, you know, kind of weird. But I was like, hey, man, can I get just snag a picture of you real quick? And uh, I did. And customer was like, yeah, sure, man, whatever. But the page would not allow me to check them out on the bike. And this is the first time I ever ran into this problem. Now, I would give Rideshare props after a couple of emails back and forth for technical support. They just automatically did it and had everything good to go in there. Uh, and, and then everything was streamlined on the way in. So, I mean, really not too big of a deal, but that's the only problem I've had with them so far. And I bring it up because that's part of the process. So when the person that's verified through Rideshare, they show up, your, I highly suggest like offer up and stuff. You message them through the app as much as possible. I give them my number. They have my personal number, but I always suggest just so it's a record of it through Rideshare. And it's not like you altered it or anything on your phone. At least you have that record and they suggest it so i recommend it too please i even refer people back to it I'm like here's my number uh but i prefer you message me on the you know through the through the portal through the website now person message you you approve it you're rental everything's all good to go boom 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 they show up you go around the bike go over your bike with them take pictures of the damage take pictures or you know if there's any pre-existing damage take take pictures of the motorcycle and they break it up in the front uh, front of the bike, left of the bike, back of the bike, right of the bike. And then you take a picture of the odometer with their driver's license next to it. And then you take a picture of their face, leave it in comments, hit the checkout button, and you're making money. Um, you can adjust your rates whenever you want to, which are pr it's pretty cool because like right now I lower mine to $70, $75 a day because, you know, here it is. It's wintertime. You know, not many people. Uh, I did put out there the advertisement of heated grips. So hope they see that and it entices them uh and it's pretty fairly simple uh most of the time it was like i said it was only one time i was kind of sketched out by a guy but he ended up being pretty cool anyways once i got to talk to him and that was the thing i made sure to ask probing questions now about probing questions i'm like oh man what do you ride back home you know like because i was kind of like mm. dude shows up in like shorts and sneakers and like a half shell which i will get into that in a second <laughs> the half shell debacle so I was like, uh, okay, dude, like, sure you're good. Sound yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, he ended up bringing it back that day. And so I didn't worry too much. Like I said, I asked the probing questions. Once I put my suspicions at bay, everything was all good. So, and, you know, I made some money on it. On average, I make enough to cover my bike payment. So anything over, I'm not going to give you my bike payment exactly, but just like average about at least 100 bucks a month which is fairly well. So um, if you're thinking about doing it, don't think it's going to take off. It, it's taking some time. Uh, you got to get some reviews. People get a little picky. And remember, you got to look at your market. You know, if you got your bike priced at like 140 bucks and everybody else in the same market has them, you know, priced at 100 bucks, it's probably why you're not getting any rentals. Um, so do a little bit of market research. Look around. Uh, I, I have a five-star review, so I'm really happy about that and worked really hard. And also I offer other services with the rental. So I have rental helmet, uh, 
uh, for various sizes and various styles available. They're, these are helmets that I acquired over time. Anyways, they're like brand new. I never wore them. Like I got one speed and strength and I never even wore. I think I wore it once because it looked really cool. I put my infamous, you know, chrome visor on there. It looked real badass. Uh, it was the War of the Dogs, the one with the pit bulls. And like part of the, the sales went towards a, a dog foundation. And I was like, all right, that's cool. You know, it was just a helmet, cheap helmet to have. And then I caught, got a couple female helmets just, just by attrition of being in the business. So I do offer that with my bike as, my bikes as well, or my bike rental, the one that I rent right now. Um, I've even contemplated it being a business model with just the rider share twisted road aspect. Uh, we'll see. I mean, look, the fact of the matter is I've rented, I haven't rented my bike out this month. I rented it once last month. You know, I rented it out, uh, hopefully to rent it out this month too. Maybe I might have to drop the price. I don't know, but I do have it listed on two different platforms. So, and I only see this getting bigger because one of the things I was looking at when I, you guys, I use YouTube as a resource just to hear people's input. And one of the guys was like, he specifically went to RiderShare and Twisted Road because when he went to try to rent with Eagle Rider and other companies, he saw the, the price point, the sticker shot got. Because I, I'll, I'll tell you, this is no no secret. You can go on the website and figure it out. Um, you know, how much they rent bikes for a day. Now, in the off season, it was always like $99 a day for like a bagger or something like that. When it's the slow season, they offer those specials. But normally, it was $129, $139 a day, depending on the model. And then you had insurances. So you had liability, uh, supplemental and uh also their biggest insurance they offer is like 33 dollars i think complete they call it a complete protection package which is all this stuff is i think about 45 dollars a day so you add that on to the 139 129 depending on what model you get like i said and then you know you're looking at the fact that you're probably after taxes you're in it over 200 a day that's fucking crazy dude like i don't have it like if you're going for maybe a day i mean i guess maybe you know it is maybe it's worse a day's fun especially here in vegas considering that like if you're gonna be drinking and gambling anyways like yeah that's absolutely that's like that's a pretty good bargain you know to so go check out the hoover dam go valley of fire red rock canyon lake mead you know maybe shoot up to st george or uh or you know uh what was it i can't remember or like go out to like mount charleston or Beatty or any of those places so, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it, it could be, it's depending on what the value is for you. But a lot of people that are, you know, l that are looking at rider share renting, they told me straight up, they were like, yeah, man, I wanted to rent from uh, the franchise here in town or the other place. And they're like, it was just crazy. When one of the guys told me, he was like, yeah, I rented your bike. And I was in after insurance because they, they still purchased their own level of insurance coverage for themselves. Um, you're already protected through rider share, but still they, for their own sake, and he was like, I think with tax, it was like 104 or something. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, man. So when you're looking at 104 compared to possibly 204, maybe a little bit more depending on how many days you're going for and such. I, and that's why I think RiderShare is going to continue to get popular. I think it's going to pick up a little bit. Yeah, there's going to absolutely be some grunts in the mix, you know, with uh, some runts, not grunts, runts with, you know, they don't take care of their bike. They don't maintain it. But you know, then again, most of these bikes are going in our scene. They're, they're pretty immaculate. So that is what I have to say on the ridershare.com and Twisted Road. Like I said, I don't have much to go off on Twisted Road because I just posted my ad on Twisted Road two weeks ago when I found out about them. 
So we'll see where it goes from there. I'll let you guys know when I rent my first one from them. All right, next, full face helmet, worm. I don't want to see people missing their faces. Uh, I will tell you this much. I've gone over full face helmets with you before. It's like anything else. I'm going to suggest you like, I mean, would you go and buy a Ducati as your first bike? I have, Maybe if you're a spoiled rich brat, you might. Or if you got the money, you want to flex, go ahead and flex strong. But you want to try to make sure that you're comfortable with full face helmets. I've heard my some of my friends tell me the reason why they don't wear full face. They feel claustrophobic. They feel like their uh, peripheral vision is blocked. Uh, I still think that's... I don't know. I still like having my face. It's not a good enough reason for me not to wear it. And I've been in worse situations anyways with just wearing a, a non-DOT helmet, like the little, you know, kraut helmets or the skid lids or something along those lines. But statistically, you're more likely to hit on your hands, go down face first, hands down. They say your palms are usually the first to hit impact wise. And then what goes after that, not the back of your head, but the front of your head where your jaw is. Um, I had a guy one time in my unit, he was actually leaving out the back gate of Pendleton, going through Fallbrook, and he hit some gravel and went down, and he had his full face helmet on. Now, funny story is he was actually heading to a, uh, one of the other Marines in our unit to pick up a half shell to borrow. Yeah, imagine if he had had that half shell. He said straight up, like, he's like, dude, I went supermanning, sliding. If I didn't have my gloves, jacket, and full face on, I would have been missing my face. Uh, even though some of you are ugly as fuck, I still would like to see your ugly as fuck face. So this is a good time of year. Uh, you're going to see some speed and strengths out there. You're going to see a lot of different variants. I would suggest go to a brick and mortar if you can. Go to your cycle gear. Um, go to your Dionese store maybe if that's what you want to, you know, if that's what you want to do. You're willing to invest that money. Uh, they do have a K3 helmet, if I'm not mistaken. It's a pretty decent price point. And I'm not, I mean, as much as I'm not a like fan of some of their stuff, at the same time, AGV is not a bad product that's owned by Dainese, if you didn't know that. And if it helps people get into wearing a full face and your head fits best in that helmet, fucking wear that fucking helmet, dude. Like, go for that one. So I'm always going to suggest that. And I bring that up because like one of the things over, over the weekend, especially working with Backcountry Expedition like it was, is, you know, uh, Neil, the owner operator, he makes sure that, you know, he gets with the client beforehand and does like an interview and he asks them what kind of gear they have what kind of helmets they have because when they're out there on those adventure trails and the bdrs and stuff you want to make sure you have the right helmet the right gear use some cheap stuff you can get hurt and on the last tour in colorado we actually had uh somebody go down and he said straight up i'm good i didn't feel anything and he's like you know why i was like why is that sir he's like because I got all this shit on, that's why. And it's like, well, yeah, that's true. And he fell down on a pretty sketchy, like, rock area. It was up on the mountain. And it was like, man, he was like, yeah, I fell, my shoulder fell right there. And But with this D30 armor, I didn't feel anything. So I think all of you are worth the investment, no matter what fucking kind of bike you're riding, Harley, anything. I'm always going to suggest wearing a full face. Even you guys on scooters out there. Um, very good friend of mine was hit by a car and... I, he wasn't wearing a full face helmet and you know he, he had some injuries pretty severe brain injury for quite a bit of time so if it helps you not have brain injuries or anything like that and keep your face even if it's ugly wear a fucking helmet full face full face helmet alright the only time I wear a half shell I'll be 100% honest with you guys is when I'm like on a test ride around uh, my neighborhood just because I gotta hear things on the bike 
and I would suggest that for technicians too, but always when my techs went on long test rides, nine times out of 10, they're wearing full face helmet, nine times out of 10. So, all right, that's my spiel on helmets. All right, it's not the gospel, but it's just my spiel. You run my suck about it. So let me talk about backcountry expedition, okay? So on this trip, these guys were doing the Southern California BDR. They're still doing it. Uh, my business partner, Tony, he's helping Neil out. And it's just it was just a couple riders this time. We started off in Bishop. So my portion of this was this, was this as much. I uh, picked up rental, rental SUV, pick up the customers here in Vegas, and then drove them to Bishop, California, because there's not really an airport closer than Vegas. Uh, it's about a four and a half hour drive through the mountains, headed north of Beatty a little bit, then took a left turn when the GPS said turn left, and went through some crazy mountain roads, hit some snow, saw some cows, and even a one portion of this road, it narrowed down and even said like, oh, one lane road, and you're going through like this gully. And I was like, oh shit, like I'm sitting here driving a Yukon through a gully, like what the fuck? Uh, but long story short, we get there, we had dinner Saturday night, beautiful dinner, uh, nice town, it's cold, it's colder in Vegas, so that's cold for me anything colder than Vegas. And um, the next morning I helped these guys, you know, Tony was really, he was doing the heavy lifting because he's he's still with them doing the support. Uh, Neil, of course, is worried about the riders, doing rider briefing and all that stuff. And yet again, I'm just impressed by the operation of Backcountry Expedition. Uh, even with me just driving there and back within 24 hour period, uh, you, you know, for one, Neil always takes care of everyone, customers, employees. Like we're all sitting there at dinner together and it was just a good dinner because you're sitting there with riders. Uh, one of the gentlemen was from uh, Venezuela and to hear his riding experience and to see the other customer and they're like interacting and I'm sitting there at the table and I'm looking and it's like, yeah, we got from Venezuela. You have a guy from the UK who's the owner operator. You have a guy who's from Texas, but you know, always, you know, loves all the BDRs on the West coast. And then it's like, you have Tony, the Italian stallion and you have me sitting there. And it's like, this is the motorcycle community I love being a part of. And that's why I'm, I'm always going to give these guys that, uh, uh, you know, Neil and his wife and, and anybody in the team for Backcountry Expedition, a big shout out, which is pretty much the A-team is me, me, Tony, and Neil right now. But also all the customers that we meet along the way, the stories they share, their riding experiences. And I'll be honest, the best part about it was even the drive up there, it wasn't like a dull, like I'm in a government vehicle to kind of drive. You know, we kept it light, stopped for lunch, you know, in Beatty. And just, you know, it was a nice, it's like, it wasn't over talkative, but it was like just the right amount of talk to not be socially awkward. And that's because guess what guys, it was fucking real, real people talking about real riding. And I hope those guys are having a blast. I know they're going to end up in uh, like, the, they're going blah, 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 Yuma area or somewhere like that. I think in the next couple of days, they're going to be down there going through Death Valley. Now I drove back through Death Valley. First time I've, you know, we always talk customers don't go through Death Valley in the summer. It's the reason why it's called Death Valley, so on and so forth. Well, it's the winter time. I drove back through Death Valley, and you want to talk about some of the most humbling, most beautiful landscape you'll ever see in our country. Not not the most beautiful, but some of the most beautiful. I've driven across the country a few times. I've experienced, thankfully, my father and my mother. I've been around to a lot of places, experienced things, and I will tell you that we live in a utmost beautiful country. I love it. That's the reason why I, you know, I was willing to serve for it because anything you see that's that that's beautiful is worth fighting for. And I can tell you what, 
after seeing that and imagine these guys riding all of that, I'm excited to step my adventure bike game up and to get more experienced and hopefully have some mentorship from Neil's badass. Like, it is sick with it. And, uh, and really learn and get, become a better rider so I can experience a little bit more of that. And I suggest everybody do it too. You know, you go out there, you get the track training. That's great. Get the dirt training, get the cruiser training. I love it all. I love all motorcycles and that's all I got to say about that. So, um, big shout out again to Neil. Thanks a lot for having me along. Even though, it, I mean, look, man, even just driving, it sounds like a crummy job. It's not. I've had worse where I was like, here it is 4th of July weekend on the 96 and had to drive all the way to like Fresno for one part. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> and it wasn't enjoyable. Trust me. It wasn't about motorcycles. And not only that, I'm going to say another thing. Neil has got all the tested and proven gear, like Tortec helmets, climb gear, Moscow, bag, uh, Moscow moto bags. Uh, because one of the things I've noticed is like for hardcore, like good, like hardcore adventure riders, most of these guys use the soft bags, the Moscow moto bags, or, or, or some kind of variation of a soft bag. Because like, you know, hey, guess what? It happens. People slip and fall and go down on motorcycles, on adventure motorcycles. It's part of the game of off-roading. So to see that and know that they're preparing for that and he's using the best stuff is also cool too. So I got to get some more gear myself. But remember, make a list and don't get suckered in. So I've made my list. And if the opportunity shows this ugly face at me, I'm going to get some gear when it's on sale because I'm cheap. That's what I got to say about that. So that being said, guys, uh, I'm going to go ahead and get off of this. I hope everybody has a great week. Okay. Be safe out there. If you are on two wheels, survive, uh, survive the ride, arrive, uh, arrive alive, all that good trash. Uh, and you know what? Much love and respect goes out to everybody. Love you guys all for supporting me and listening. Uh, special shout out to a couple people. My homeboy, uh, Trevet, T-Riv, dude, I appreciate it, uh, money, you, dude, you're really engaged, you know, we're talking back and forth, that's how we got on the Yamaha, so I really appreciate it, buddy. Also, uh, shout out to a couple of my buddies, Dagan and Charles, I want to give you guys a shout out too, they're over at Motorsport Exotica, let me make sure I'm looking, I'm, I want to make sure I'm getting the name right, I could be fucking this up, oh my god, but... I worked with both of these guys. They ended up, you know, they had to go go a separate way. They ended up going and chasing their dreams. You know me. I'm always going to support somebody. Yeah, Motorsport Exotica, which is located in L.A., uh, around the Hollywood area. And But to see those guys be happy, they're doing big things over there. Um, so big shout out to them. I'm going to miss having Dagan on the podcast and our conversations, but still more conversations to come. Still, you know, still more people to have on. So, you know, where part of me, friendship-wise, is sad, and at the same time, I'm happy for my boys in the power sports industry. Go chase your dreams. I always put that out there. So, uh, like I said, I appreciate everybody's support in the community. Keep listening. I hope to keep this live. So, everybody, have a good week. Be productive. Much love and respect goes out to all of you. Uh, you know, to hit me up on my social media, you got me uh, on Facebook and Instagram, Moto Tito. Shoot me a DM. Shoot me a message. Uh, you can slide on my DMs all day. If you got my number, then just text me and we'll just go that way. Maybe I might screenshot it. Maybe I won't, depending on what we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> and uh, everybody have a good week. I'll see you when I see you. Peace. Mm-hmm.